When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Have you ever heard of the 39 Steps? No, what's that, a pub? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. These guns you laughing. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. I do love that. Time for me to rewatch Casablanca. This is Simon Rose. You join us for the business of film, where I am joined by James Cameron Wilson. Um, so, James, I was actually away for a break last week, so I've had two weeks in which um, uh, you can go and see enormous numbers of films and tell us what is doing well in the chart in the UK. Well, from the previous weekend, which we didn't cover, the box office was down twelve point six percent. But the last few weeks have been hard to beat. In fact, we have a new film at number one, which was at number two last weekend, called No Time to Die, which is back up there. there. It got (laughs) knocked off the top uh, spot by Dune, which we will be talking about. It's down 25%. It's taken a total of 86 million quid. The big news is that No Time to Die, even during a pandemic, has now overtaken Titanic as of this week. And it's the sixth highest grossing film of all time in this country. And it's still number one. However, it seems unlikely that it can close in on either Skyfall or Star Wars The Force Awakens, although it is due to overtake Avengers Endgame this week week. Its most notable statistic is that it has become the first film in the UK to gross over £1 million a day for 30 consecutive days. No other film has managed to do that. And that for how, is for how many days? Pandemic. 30 consecutive days. That is a record. A record for all time or just pandemic all time. record? Oh, God, no, all time. extraordinary. Yeah, not even Skyfall managed to make a million a day for 30 consecutive days. Probably over the weekend it picked up again, but during the week it would have dipped under the £1 million mark. Well, I'm impressed. When I saw it, it wasn't, I mean, I don't think it was more than half full, but um, still. Well, it's showing in a lot of screens. Yes, that is true. That is true. It has probably been the saviour of uh, many a cinema screen across the country. Uh, Indubitably. Yeah, absolutely. So at number two, down from 44% is. Dune, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Yes, well, I'm intrigued. Take... Yes, very intrigued by this because I, 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 I've read interesting things, but the trailer I found was rather off-putting. In fact, the person I was with who saw it said, "Well, there's no way you're getting me to that." It just, it didn't, it didn't look like the film I'd read about. Anyway, I'll allow you to to continue. I didn't Sorry, think I you watched trailers, Simon. Uh, well, that I, I was sat so intrigued. Next to you with your fingers <laughs> wiggling in your ears. 
That is true. I, Studying the, the coffee in your yeah. lap. Yes, that that is the problem. Of course, you can look away from the screen, but the, the trailers seem incredibly loud. So yes, I I tend to to not just to put my fingers over my ears, but to 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 press them in and out so that I can't actually hear what is um, uh, is happening. But in this instance with June, I did pay attention. I was quite intrigued. Okay, I mean visually, it is amazing. Uh, and I am a huge fan of Denis Villeneuve. He directed Arrival, one of the best yes, sci-fi wonderful. films ever yeah. made, and Blade Runner 2049, which I also loved. Mm. And his earlier work, even Prisoners, I thought was amazing with Hugh Jackman and oh, Jake yes. Gyllenhaal. He is one of my favourite directors. And his early French-Canadian films mm. are likewise really impressive. And he is a visual artist. And I think Dune is... You can just sit there and just watch it. It is quite long. But I felt it wants you to think that it's a very impressive and important movie. Indeed, its visuals are even intoxicating, set in a future far from Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, or indeed Villeneuve's own Blade Runner 2049, uh, where space seems to have two concepts, outer space, where new worlds exist, and the space of the rooms on show, which are spectacularly, well, spacious. Mm. Not a world for those who are claustrophilic. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've always been amazed why in the future there is so much room. Because <laughs> I would have thought it would have been the opposite. If you go to Tokyo today, we're actually losing room. Um, but anyway, I saw it with a huge fan of the books, which are, of course, written by Frank Herbert. Mm. And he really enjoyed it. And I think ultimately this film is a treat. And I've talked to several of my friends who are Dune fanatics. This is a film for the fanatics and maybe not the fans. Mm. And to be honest, I was falling asleep after the first two hours, oh. a sensation I really experienced in the cinema. <laughs> Yes, that's not that's not necessarily a, something you want to hear. I fell asleep after the first two hours. It reminds <laughs> me a little, just very off track, of the Mort Sahl, the American comedian, American was it American or Canadian? No, American comedian who who I saw the obituary this week, and of course he came up with two of the most trenchant pieces of film criticism. One for Ben Hur, loved him, hated her, but the other one, of course, was for Exodus. And after about two and a half hours, he stood up and said, "Otto, let my people go." <laughs> so yes, so you didn't feel inclined to actually remonstrate um, in the film, but I, I mean, if you if you love the books, you love the film. It is only mm. half the, a film, and it ends with a character saying, "And this is just the beginning." And I'm not, I don't understand Timothy Chalamet. There is an otherworldliness to him mm. when he's not being wet and quite boring. And he's not unlike Johnny Depp in his earlier roles, which seems appropriate considering that Chalamet has been dating Lily Rose Depp for the last three years. So he could well become Johnny Depp's son-in-law at this rate. Who I really did like was Rebecca Ferguson. She didn't seem to be wearing any makeup. She plays Timothy Paul, Timothy Chalamet's mother, Lady Jessica. I thought she was really good. I think it's the best thing she's ever done. And she's so beautiful. And I think she's not playing a mother. She's playing a woman um, with all that femininity. There is a lot to like about this film. It is pretty slow. There are amazing battle sequences and everybody's going on about 
the Sand Worms, and it's got an incredible cast. Jason Momoa is, and he's clean shaven in the second half of the film. And was it you Which who is quite told a shock. me? Was it you who told me um, a few weeks ago that that he wants to make the second half, but they're going to have to wait to see how the how this film actually? Well, as out. of last week, it has been confirmed that there will be a second half. Right. And I, again, talking to Frank Herbert fans, they feel that actually the sh- it should be a trilogy because there was so much in the books. So just to warn you, Simon. Right. But well, I, now I was I'm impressed. Not sure if I want to go. I was impressed, but not. I wasn't excited. I wasn't emotionally engaged. I just sat there being impressed. Mm. And I do have to either be frightened or moved or something. And I, frankly, I was not. Yeah. Well, it's a shame. It does sound like, well, in that case, it does sound pretty much like the trailer, which seems so full of, you know, fire and fury and sandworms. Um, designed to appeal to sci-fi fans, but not necessarily those who want an engaging story. Okay, well, that is number two in the Well, I should say that it's down 44% from its Mm. opening weekend. It's made a total of 13.2 million. And when it opened, it actually overtook No Time to Die just for the weekend and made 5.9 million pounds. So at number three, we've got Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which is better than Venom, which isn't saying much, with Tom Holland. This is, of course, you remember all of me with Steve Martin and Lily Tomlin. Uh, Tomlin Occupying the same body. Well, this is kind of like Alien meets all of me because Tom Hardy has got this alien inside him and they have this running badinage throughout the movie. It's now made a total of 14.8 million pounds. It is very violent. At number four, we've got the... Adam's Family 2, which I refuse to see, which, okay, it's half term, so it went up 65%. Mm. I think most critics thought it was dire. I know one critic who really quite enjoyed it. It's got a total now of 8.9 million. Number five, a new film for me called The Boss Baby 2, Family Business, up 12%. I really quite like the boss baby, the, the original. Mm. Um, but very briefly, Tim Templeton, voiced by James Marden, Marsden, is now a father himself, a stay-at-home dad. The whole premise of the film is that they've got this baby who is super intelligent and is an executive, voiced by Alec Baldwin. And I should point out that when I saw the film, it was the day after the news about Alec Baldwin shooting the rec- Ukrainian mm. cinematographer, Helena Hutchins. So... That was unfortunate because that was very much on my mind. But this time, James Marsden, as Tim Templeton, has grown up and he's got his own children. Tabitha, who is super intelligent, he, he wants to be the best dad in the world. She wants to study higher Mandarin and is far more interested in academic pursuits. And we discover that the young baby, Tina, who is still a tot, is another boss baby and there is this conspiracy to overtake the world with babies and get rid of parents. Basically, that's all you need to know. I did like the scenes because they take this sort of special magic formula, which makes them babies again. And Ted, played by Alec Baldwin, is, comes back to try and expose the conspiracy. And there's something about Tamitha and the infanticized Tim that reminds me of the relationship between Michael J. Fox and Leah Thompson, his real mother, 
in Back to the Future. And I kind of hoped they would go somewhere with that. There are some decent lines, but some of the action scenes are so frenetic as to be ludicrous. Not least a race against time with the Templeton's pet horse, Precious, who runs not over but through garden fences. It is this OTT action, I think, that reduces the calibre of the film and something you wouldn't find in a Pixar equivalent. James, thank you. Uh, let's just take a quick breather. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose in conversation with James Cameron Wilson. We are talking. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. King about the business of film. Um, I think we got down to number five in the chart. Was that the boss baby we, too? We, we did, absolutely. Yep. At six, we've got a re-entry for Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Good grief. Which was made 20 years ago when Emma Watson, Rupert Grint and Daniel Radcliffe were so young. The first Harry Potter film showing at 494 cinemas. At number seven, watch which... I did watch that again a while ago. Some of the acting is a little bit, dare one say, painful. I mean, they were very young, I know. They certainly grew into the roles. Anyway, sorry, on we go. I wasn't very impressed by the first film. I don't think it was until Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban that it really started yeah. upping its game. Yeah. Anyway, at number seven, we've got Halloween Kills, which is the worst film since the last Space Jam movie, down only 2%. But again, it was Halloween, which, mm. I mean, we have to take everything into context. Context is everything. So we've had the half term which is why the Adams family can do well. And also it's got a very Halloween-y feel. Mm. And Halloween Kills, which is just execrable, uh, now got a total of £4.6 million. We have a new film at number eight from Edgar Wright called Last Night in Soho, which the highest performer of the new films, which only made £716,000-plus. This film seems at great pains to prevent the viewer from knowing what genre it is that we are watching, which makes it rather difficult to review without giving anything away. I think it's safe, though, to say that it's largely set at night and it's set in Soho, the London version, not the New York one, but with stars like Terence Stamp, Rita Tushingham and Diana Rigg sprinkled in the cast. It's kind of a giveaway that this is a very English production. Having said that, the above the title star is the New Zealand actress, Thomason McKenzie, who you will know from Leave No Trace, Jojo Rabbit, and M. Night Shyamalan's recent old. She is, her accent is brilliant, her English accent. I'm not going to tell you what the film is about, but for much of it, Ellie, she plays Ellie, she's running around Soho in her night clothes, which suggests that it's all a dream. Or is it? But as she spies on her glamorous alter ego, played by Anya Taylor-Joy, she becomes more and more like her sartorially 
during the day, dyeing her hair and giving outward signs of being more sophisticated than the country bumpkin she really is. Her mother, who committed suicide when Ellie was seven, was in London during the swinging 60s. And Ellie has always dreamed of retracing her mother's footsteps. So the film is partly set in the swinging 60s and partly set. And I got very confused because I started seeing signs for The Week magazine and local Sainsbury's outlet. And I thought, hang on, but Thunderball is showing at the Rialto. This doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that there are are two parallel stories going along. And she somehow transported back to the swinging 60s, where her alter ego is befriended by Matt Smith. Ultimately, I think I was baffled more than frightened, although I was gripped, even when scratching my head. But I, I never cared nor was I scared. So it's essentially, it's a superficial pleasure. But Edgar Wright is a terrific stylist. And I do recommend that lovers of Soho stay for the closing credits as we are treated to an array of wonderful shots of the centre of London, completely deserted. I can only presume that these were taken by Edgar Wright himself shortly after the first lockdown, which had chased the crowds away. It's actually the spookiest part of the film. Because you and I know Soho so well. Yeah. I was I was there only the other night. Believe me, it's not it's not devoid of human activity now. It was the most crowded I'd seen in a very long time, more than just the last year and a half. Um, okay, so that is number Well, incidentally, eight. I recently found out that Thomason Mackenzie is the granddaughter of the actress Dame Kate Harcourt. Have you heard of an actress called Dame? I mean, she's I'm a dame of the British Empire. I'm sorry. And I... Thomas and McKenna. No, I hadn't heard of her. Oh, I mean, oh God, I feel Zealand. slightly better. Okay. No, I was amazed that there was a dame I hadn't heard of. And Thomas and Mackenzie is her granddaughter. So where are we going now, James? That was number eight? Uh, that was number eight. Uh, number nine, the treat of the week. Ron's Gone Wrong, which I'm so glad to see is up oh. 8%. Okay. with a total of 3.6 million. And this is basically, it, it's funny because the Boss Baby 2 family business and Ron's gone wrong sort of covers similar territory, mm. i.e. children's sort of obsession with technology. And Ron's gone wrong is about this kid called Barney, whose father makes these sort of inane trinkets, novelty items that he can't sell. And all the children at school have got their own B-Bot, which is this motorized companion which is plugged into the internet and can do absolutely everything. And Barney, who doesn't even have a friend, because his obsession is collecting rocks and playing chess. So, of course, he's completely alienated. (laughs) And the film is saying, basically, that um, social media is wrong. And it's a very strong message. But I think what children would love about it, and the two things that I think were really smart, three things I should really point out. One is that Barney finally gets a B-Bot. And it ain't, well, it's called Ron. He calls it Ron. Um, well, it's the Norman wisdom of automatons because <laughs> it came My, off the back of a lorry yeah well, we mentioned Norman wisdom a lot recently because i think daniel craig reminds me of him let's well, pass, yeah. pass over that well, it reminded me of Norman wisdom. and the children around me were squealing with laughter which was such oh, a lovely. lovely sound 
indeed. And I think the dialogue of the children was so smart and so spot on. There was this sort of uh, the school hottie who would say things like, oh, my God, you've spoiled my aesthetic. And I felt children really do come up with these crazy lines. Mm. And it was, I think it's smart. I think it's really very, very funny. And I'm just so pleased for Locksmith Animation, which this first film is from them. They're based in Regent Park, and there's no real slick computer animated company mm. based in London. Shame it's only number nine, given. But it's ga- given all gaining that, word it? of mouth. Oh well, that's that's so wonderful. Let's hope up. it can. Let's hope it can cling on because we know that's that's a more difficult thing than it used to be. Now you haven't. I'm hoping that this will be number ten, but you haven't mentioned a film I'm really keen to hear about. So, what is number ten? Well, number ten is a film I haven't seen. I've only seen about eight films in the last two weeks because I've also been watching Netflix releases. Yes. I know <laughs> the French Dispatch. Ah, oh, that's the one I'm interested in hearing about. So I hope you Which, can get to see it soon. Well, I know so many critics who have really been disappointed by it. Uh, I think Wes Anderson. You've got to really love him. I think he's done wonderful movies, like The Royal Tenenbaums is a favourite of mine. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, which Budapest I hated. Hotel. Yes, I hated that. I love The Grand Budapest Hotel. But I, okay. I think the everybody loved The Grand Budapest Hotel. This is a satire of The New Yorker set in the fictitious French town of Ennui sur Blasé, and star, which is a great name, starring Francis McDormand, Adrian Brody, Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, Tilda Swinton, Saoirse Ronan, and many players from the Wes Anderson Repertory Company. I'm not sure I'm going to go out of my way to see this. I'd love for the DVD to plop Mm. onto my doormat, because there are so many people in it I love, but it's had some very bad reviews. See, I'd seen a couple that were very good, so I'd been quite interested. Now, I just don't know what to do. I'm not going to be able to guide me. Well, interesting. I think probably with Wayne Anderson, some of his films I absolutely adore, and others I really, really find. Yeah, absolutely. What did you think of Moonlight Kingdom? Was it Moonlight or Moonrise? I can't Was it Moonlight? I can't Mo- remember now. Moonrise well, Kingdom. it's made a huge yeah, impression yeah, on me, obviously. Well, okay. Um, that was sort of middling, I seem to recall. Um, was Dodge Eating Express his, or was that not his? That was it was, yeah. That, I, that I loved. Yeah, okay. I loved Grand Budapest Hotel. The Channel Bands that didn't, and you did. So it's very odd, isn't it? You know, we don't all like the same, the same things. Um, uh, right. So what else? You said you've been watching some some other stuff that wasn't in the cinema. Well, I saw I saw a couple of uh, premieres on mm. Netflix. One called Hypnotic, starring Kate Siegel and Jason O'Mara, the um, Irish actor with a very good American accent. And I think there is a wonderful film here. And I think the script is actually better than the direction. I think the subject of mind control is amazing. And Darren Brown, the mentalist, has proved how easy we are, how easy it is to manipulate Mm. the human mind. And there is a terrific script here. But I didn't believe Kate Siegel. Siegel She's a kind of Angelina Jolie lookalike. And I think she's okay. But all the people are so beautiful and so handsome. I thought I was watching something on (laughs) Channel 5 at 10 (laughs) o'clock. Yes, and I think the, the best films about mind control remain The Manchurian Candidate yes. and Get Out. Mm. Yeah. With yeah, I mean, that amazing, the teaspoon clicking on the saucer. I, I wanted more of that. 
And it's about a psych- uh, psychiatrist played by Jason O'Mara and the women that he um, gets into his his room. Uh, better, but not entirely successful, is a huge budget Western directed by James Samuel, who is a singer-songwriter who goes by the name, his, his singer-songwriter tag is The Bullets. And this is his first film. Mm. But he's always made videos of his own songs. And this has got a budget of over $90 million, the harder they fall. And it's got an all-star cast. And he has got a great future. It is very, very bloody. And it's a revenge story. But what's interesting about it is that what he's taken real-life African-American cowboys, of which apparently... 25% 25% of the Old West were made up of African-American cowboys. Oh, that's fascinating. And he's taken real characters hmm. and put them into a fictitious story. And it is so stylish. He, obviously, uh, he, you can tell the, the influences, Sergio Leone, Quentin Tarantino, and there's a lot of Ennio Morricone on the soundtrack. I kind of enjoyed it, but if you know it's just a stylish shoot-up, you will enjoy it. I, I think I was perhaps expecting more with people like Regina King, Idris Elba, mm. uh, Keith Stanfield in it, uh, Delroy Lindo. I mean, it's got an all-star black cast. Well, with that interesting sort of snippet about Cowboys in the West, sort of kind of having that the room there is room clearly for some revisionist and very well-made Western. Let's hope somebody makes it. James, sadly, we're out of time. I mean, so much to to cover. But indeed. thank you very much indeed to James Cameron Wilson. We'll be back with more of the business of film at the same time next week. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley.